It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> you know, um, first of all, um, in terms of the... That's kind of emotional, this giving of this stuff that we gave. is like incredible. And, and I got a chance to go out and deliver some of them, like Valencia and I went out. And, so, and I realized, you know what, I didn't have really a lot to do with this, but I was just a delivery guy. Right, and and what a blessing that is! You you know, just a delivery guy. And I thought, you know, that's all I am on Sundays too. I'm just a delivery guy. I just have to bring something from the Lord and from His Word, and that's that's all I can do. I'm not. It's not about me. It's not about who I am, what I can do. It's about what God is and what God wants to do. And you know, this uh, this whole. Year is so different. Everything is different. You know, Christmas Eve on December 27th, who would have thought, right? But that's okay, right? And, and the truth of the matter is they don't know really what day Jesus was born on. You can study it. You can look at it. Uh, some think it was in the fall, closer to the, you know, September, October. Some think in the spring and some seriously think it was, you know, right in December, but no one knows for sure. So it really doesn't matter. Uh, what matters, I think, is, and maybe it's better that we do this after Christmas. I don't know because then we've kind of gotten some of the some of the stuff out of the way, the hype and the, you know, the commercialism and all that. Of course, this year, you know, uh, is so different than many many all the other years. Uh, but I think the answer is still the same. You know, what do we really need? And it's a one-word answer. And what's the answer? Jesus. It's Jesus. There's always Jesus. That's the answer that we, that we need. And that's, I think, what we see here. So thanks for coming out. Uh, you know, it, it tells me that you have a heart for God, that you have a heart open to what God has given. And, you know, we gather together uh, it's a special time. It's kind of like we're gathering together around the, the birth of a child, right? That's what Christmas Eve is like. <clears throat> and I've been, you know, I've been around that kind of thing a few times. And, uh, you know, you, you got the family all kind of gathered in the waiting room, you know, or, or maybe you're, you know, lucky enough to be in the delivery room and or unlucky enough to be in the delivery room, depending on how that goes, you know. But you're all waiting around there. Why is it? Because the, you know it's the it's this the joy of a new life. It's something that's exciting, something you're looking forward to. You want to see what you know, like you want to see that little critter, you know. And and that's kind of what what's going on here in Christmas Eve as well, you know. But it's again, it's very different. They're you know they're far far away from home. They don't have all the support that they would have had back at their, you know, where they lived. But, but the birth of Jesus, you know, and this is, this is the way God ordained it. This is the way God put this whole thing together. And, and it's, uh, it's marvelous in our eyes. And when we step back, step back and think about what God did and the, and the miraculous birth of Jesus. This is something supernatural, folks. This is not just some, you know... Uh, birth down at, you know, a women and infants hospital. This is something radically supernatural. 
It created problems. In fact, it was so out of the ordinary, so different. So we're going to look at some of the scriptures here and, and, and kind of try to think about this, put this together. Luke chapter 2, it says, While they were there, where? In Bethlehem. The time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It's kind of interesting. It, it, it points out here that she did those things. Normally, she would have someone there helping her to do those things. She had to do them herself. Again, you know, they, they didn't have all these people around them and they were stuck off in a place. They were there in, in, uh, in Bethlehem because of the census and they, they end up sleeping in a, uh, a stable. And, and many believe it was, it was more like a cave that was used as a stable. And... Uh, we, we've been to Bethlehem, and, and you can actually go down and, and you know, when the, what, what they've done through, through the history, through years, you know, they, they would find a, a place they thought was this particular place, and they'd build a giant church around it or on top of this where it might have been. And that's kind of the way it is there, you know. Uh, but you can actually, you know, go down into, and it's like a cave. You kind of go down into this thing like a cave, and they, they, they think maybe that, again, there's no way to know for sure. But Jesus, the Savior of the, of the world, Jesus who came down from the Father, sent from the Father, now he's, he's begin, beginning his life in a, in a cave, in a stable. You'd think that if you were God, you'd kind of organize it a little bit differently, don't you think? You'd ha it'd be on CNN, you know, it would be, okay, not CNN, CBN, you know, but this is the way God ordained this, this is the way God put it together, and, and again, fulfilling the prophecy in Micah, uh, chapter 5, verse 2, some 700 years earlier that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. There's no way to organize that 700 years later. We're going to make this happen. But God did it. God ordained it. And God put it together. But let's back up a little bit here because, because again, this is an incredible birth. This supernatural. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. This is a serious problem here, you know. Now, in, in, in that day, there was basically three stages of a marriage, right? There was the engagement, and that could take place uh, you know, when the kids were just children, the parents, they, you know, they got together and said, well, listen, I've got a son, you know, I've got a daughter, and they, they arranged the marriage. And, and that's, that could take place, you know, years and years before. And then, and then when it was, you know, to a certain point, the, the betrothal period, which would last about a year. This, this is when it became more or less legal and serious. However, 
they would not live together, they would not be together. The, the daughter would stay in the home of the parents for one, one year. And, but it was so serious, legal, that you couldn't break it except for like divorce. Even though they had not consummated the marriage, the, the, you know, it hadn't actually taken place physically. And then there was the marriage when they would, you know, uh, the daughter would go and now live with the husband and, and the marriage would actually begin. So, so this is now taking place during the betrothal period, during this period of time when they would really have no contact. And so now we find that Mary has a child. This is not good. You know, there... You know, her reputation is at stake here, her honor uh, and her life, as someone has pointed out. When you think about it, too, and we watched that movie last night, The Nativity Story, I think. Is that the full title? Nativity Story? You know, and it kind of opened my eyes to one thing is that, you know, we look at this as like a one, uh, one-time thing, you know, that... But, but it was like an ongoing thing in the village there where, where she lived. You know, that, hey, this girl's pregnant, and there's like a lot of questions about this. And so there was like almost this persecution towards this family. And, and yet they carried on. Joseph and Mary carried on because why? Because they had heard from God, and they, they believed that this was something so radical, so incredible, supernatural, miraculous. <clears throat> so Joseph, <clears throat> excuse me, he, he thought about, you know, divorcing her. But it says in Matthew, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So the angel Gabriel had spoken to Mary, and now an angel, it doesn't tell us which angel, but spoke to Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because her child is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph is now, you know, brought into the picture, understanding, you know, he, he, was, he was not going to, uh, you know, have her stoned because they could have stoned her to death for what she had done you know, for what was occurring. So he thought, I'll just, you know, I'll just divorce her quietly. But then the, the Lord spoke to him through this angel. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and, 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 and said, you know, don't be afraid. There's fear involved here. Don't be afraid. You need to do what you need to do. How many times does fear keep us from doing what we should do and, and, and from being involved in the plan that God has? God had this incredible, incredible plan. Again, this is no ordinary situation. It's supernatural. Jesus, who came down from the Father, down from heaven, sent by the Father to be the Savior of the world. And now it's happening. Now it's happening. Miraculous. Back to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, I can barely read that. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. A power of the, excuse me, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That Holy One, 
who is to be born will, will be called the Son of God. So the angel again explains her this is something that is out of, completely out of the realm of the ordinary. You know, we all know this, but, but again, like I said last week, do we really know this? That this is something, this is supernatural, this is incredible. You know, uh, virgin young women do not have children. But God came and, and spoke and told her, this is, this is going to be from, the, from God, and he's going to be called the Son of God. You have to stop and think about this, I think. Uh, you know, Mary is the human agent now, if you will, through whom the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, now came into the world. We, we know he came down from heaven, but he entered the world, and he entered the world by a human agent, and the agent was Mary. How did that take place? How did that happen? I'm going to give you my opinion about it, uh, you know, looking at the different views, and there are different views about this, but this is what I believe is the, is the correct view. There's a, a man by the name of Henry Morris, <clears throat> and Henry Morris is, he was the founder of, of a ministry called the Institute for Creation Research. Any of you heard of it? ICR, and, and this is what he says. Let me put it on the screen so you can read it along with me. It says, the body, he said, the body growing in Mary's womb must have been specially created in full perfection and placed there by the Holy Spirit in order for it to be free of inherent sin damage. Oops. His body formed neither of the man or the woman, but from a unique seed planted in the woman's body by God himself, a miracle of creation, just like Genesis 2-7. See, this is not, you know, it's not from Mary. We know it's not from Joseph, but it's not from Mary. It's actually a, a special creation of God that God planted there, that God put there so that it would be completely free of any uh, sin at all. Genesis 2-7, let me read it for you. It says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. You see, the creation of man was special creation, right? He didn't evolve from that dust he didn't just come out of a swamp somewhere or some kind of explosion. God created him specially. And so if we believe that as we do, why could he not have done the very same thing for this body that his son Jesus was going to take and, and grow to be a, a man, the savior of the world? God directly formed a body, I believe, for the second Adam, right? Just like he created a body specially for the first Adam. Jesus is called the second Adam in the, in the New Testament. So in other words, it's like Mary was like a surrogate mother, right? Another verse, Hebrews chapter 10 Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice, that's God said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me, Jesus said. The body you prepared for me. 
Why is all that important? Well, the biggest reason is that he had to be completely, perfectly pure and sinless. Why? Because there is no way he could be the Savior of the world. He could, there's no way he could be our Savior if he was just a, you know, a, a sinful human being just like all the rest of us. Because then who would he need to die for? He would have to die for himself. The scripture is so very, very clear. Peter says that he committed no sin. Paul says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. The writer to the Hebrews says he was without sin. John says it here. He says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in, in him there is no sin. So he had to be completely, radically pure. Peter said it as well that he would be this lamb without blemish. This lamb without defect. So it, he had to be that way, you see. Matthew chapter 1, back there, what does it say? She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. You see, is it getting too warm in here now? I cranked that heat up. I feel like just He will give him, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So we, we saw he was called the Messiah, he was called the Son of God, and now he's called Jesus, the Savior. It's kind of interesting, you know, uh, there was no ultrasound. They had no idea, but, but the angel reveals the sex of the child, the name of the child, and the very mission of the child. This name, Jesus, you know, it, it's kind of interesting in one way that it was a common name. Anybody know what the name was? Joshua. In that day, in the, in the Hebrew name was Joshua. In the, but the name Joshua means the Lord saves, or the Lord Yahweh is salvation. And so the angel said, this child is going to be a son, and he's going to, you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will actually fulfill that name. Now, there were, again, there were lots of Joshuas around. And if you go to some... Uh, some countries, there are a lot of boys running around with the name Jesus, right? Jesus. But this was no ordinary Joshua, no ordinary Jesus. This was the Jesus, the one who would actually save us from our sins. Save us. It's interesting, this common name, though, it says that God has highly exalted him and given, the, given him the name that is ab above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This name, Jesus, is a very, very special name. Why? Because he would save us from our sins. I was thinking about that. 
this morning, you know, what do we need? We need a Savior. What do we need a Savior from? There's a lot of things going on in the world. We need, you know, do we need a Savior from the virus? Do we need a Savior from the politics? Do we need a Savior from the economy or lack of? What do we need a Savior from is for, for our sins. This is the problem we have. Mike was sharing with me this morning about a funeral that, that him and, and Jess did yesterday for actually, I just found out it was actually a, a good friend of ours. And, and he talked about, you know, this, this little short period of time that would be our lives and then eternity beyond that. But what gets us into eternity is the fact that our sins are paid for. Not that we got sick or we didn't get sick or we got healed or that. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul because, because the sin is not paid for? Jesus came and he, he, he came to die for our sin. That's our problem. That's the biggest need that you and I have. And, and the, truth, the truth of the matter is, is all these other problems that we have, they come out of that. The sin that's wrecked the world. Sin that has corrupted every world, corrupted the human race. It's our sin that we need saving from. This miraculous, incredible, supernatural birth that, that God sent His Son, that He would save us from our sins. Matthew, going on in Matthew, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Again, this prophecy hundreds and hundreds of years before by the prophet Isaiah, now fulfilled in this incredible supernatural birth that God sent the Son, yet it was the Son of God, God the Son who came down. So God himself came down. To save us. Why? Because he loved us so much. So we gathering together, we gather together for the birth of this child, right? But it's not just a birth, right? It's way more than that. It's a savior. It's our savior who, who came to bring us life, who, who came to give us love and forgiveness and, and hope. This hope beyond this life, beyond the year 2020, beyond the life that we live in this body, in this flesh, that we could live forever and ever. The jailer said to Paul the Apostle when Paul was in the prison and radical things took place there and, and the jailer was shook up and he said to Paul the Apostle, he said, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do to, to receive that? And what, what was his answer? Very simple answer. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent his son to be the savior of the world. And all you and I, we don't have to do good works. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's no other way to be forgiven, no other way to be saved there. There's only one, only one name, and that is the name that the angel said. You are to give this child the name Jesus. 
That's why I'm so bothered. We're going we're gonna to do a study uh, uh, in the Lord's Prayer. And, and one of the things he talks about is, you know, hallowed be your name. The Ten Commandments talk about not taking the name of the Lord in vain. And how often do we hear the name Jesus taken in vain? This, this is the name that, that we're saved by. This is the one that, that brings us all the hope and eternal life, salvation. No other name under heaven but the name of Jesus This is a miraculous birth that we're talking about today, folks. And I hope and I trust that, that you, you know, have trusted in Jesus Christ. You believed in him. You have given your life to him because he is the way and the truth and the life. And there's no way to the Father but through him. But, you know, it, do, it doesn't just stop there. This is a life, a life of of getting to know this Savior, Jesus, more and more every day. Paul talks about it. I mentioned it last week. Getting to know him more and more. The Savior and all that he's done for you, all that he's done for me. The Savior, Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you loved us enough to send us your son the savior jesus the one that would come and and would die upon a cross for our sins that he would become that pure spotless lamb that would die for the sins of the world and all that we would need to do is believe in him and give our hearts and lives to him and let him in to save us, to forgive us of all our sin. This is the Jesus that we're talking about, not the, not the word that's thrown around as an exclamation or as even a swear word. It's the name of Jesus, the name above all names that we bow before this Savior. We bow our knee before Jesus, the Savior of the world. Lord, it has been a hard year. It has been a hard, even a hard Christmas for some of us. Things changed, isolated. We're, we're stressed out or we're, we're depressed. We're beat down or we're confused, discouraged. And yet, Jesus, you came into the world to save us from our sins. And to give us hope, the hope of eternal life, that confident expectation that you have a place, you're, you're preparing a place for us even now in heaven. And this too shall pass, the things of this world will pass. Lord, we, we thank you for your hope. Father, I pray a blessing on your people now that, that this coming year would be a year that we would grow in our understanding in the knowledge of Jesus and to know him better, the, to know his sufferings, to know his resurrection, to know the hope that we have in him. Bless your people, Lord, this year, this coming year. Give us the strength to face and to fight 
whatever it is we need to. And Lord, finally, for those maybe that have never trusted in you as Savior, I, I pray for them right now. And, and maybe that's you. You're listening in one way or another to this message, to these words that come out directly out of God's word that you simply need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And you can pray right now and, and open your heart and life and say, Jesus, I, I believe in you. I believe you came. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. And I ask you to save me today. In Jesus' name, amen.